0: Amen. Okay. All right, let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Uh, And we're going to be looking at verses 28 to 30. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. If you guys are there, why don't you look up at me? Okay, that's a little awkward. All right, let's, <laughs> let's read it together on the count of three. One, two, three. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen. Amen. You know, often as believers, I think this passage is something we love to read, right? It's something about going to God with our heaviness, with our burdens, and finding rest is just so refreshing. It's, it's something that we can welcome. And I just think that there's something so powerful about just these simple verses right here, the simple three verses, You know, we can interpret the burdens into being a lot of different things, but tonight I want to focus on one aspect, and I believe that that is a spirit of guilt, a spirit of guilt. And so uh, my message is called Make War on a Spirit of Guilt. Okay, now first of all, I can do that because Christian's my husband, number one, and number two, I believe that title doesn't belong to him but the Holy Spirit, amen? Amen. So I'm just going to flow on what the spirit is going to (laughs) do. Let's just make that clear right now. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we're going to make war on a spirit of guilt. Amen. You know, I want to talk about two kinds of guilt uh, that we can experience. Uh, The first kind we can describe as conviction. When we're convicted we're experiencing what 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 describes as godly sorrow. See, it says in the word that a godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Conviction draws us to the cross and paves the way for us to experience God's mercy, his forgiveness, and his acceptance. Conviction, while initially uncomfortable, it actually bears much joy, much peace, much victory. So to be clear, when I talk about a spirit of guilt or the burden of guilt or the yoke of guilt or however I'm going to spin it, I'm not talking about conviction. Okay, I believe that conviction comes from the Lord. He does that to draw us closer to Him. Amen? Okay. What I'm talking about when I say make war on a spirit of guilt is the second kind of sorrow that Second Corinthians mentions. It says that there's another type called a worldly sorrow. And while the godly sorrow brings us to repentance, the worldly sorrow leads us to death. And I believe that it's this worldly sorrow, this second kind of guilt can be known as condemnation. You know, condemnation is not from the Lord, amen? When you hear a voice in your ear that's telling you that you're not good enough, that you're not strong, that you can't do it, That's condemnation. That's not from God. Amen? You know, and it's a well-known tactic of the enemy. He does it all the time. Satan is known as the accuser of the brethren. And that's exactly what he does. He lures us. He deceives us. He tempts us to sin. And right when we sin, he turns his finger at us. And he begins to accuse us. You know, often we mix up these two types of guilt. Right? There's conviction and condemnation. And I'm just attaching words to it, but. And sometimes we think that the condemnation that we're feeling is actually a conviction. And that it's from the Lord. And because we did this sin, you know, we should feel terrible about it and that we should, woe is me because it was wrong. And we get a little bit confused. And sometimes the enemy deceives us into believing that this condemnation is from God and it's something that we need to, a place that we need to stay at. So how do we know the difference? How do we know the difference? The answer is the direction that it points to. You see, while conviction and condemnation may look like a similar type of train, the destination is completely different. Conviction, when you ride that, it's going to lead you to repentance. And ultimately, the destination is a place of forgiveness. A place of a fresh revelation of God's love, of the power of the cross. That's the destination of conviction. Condemnation, on the other hand, it takes you to the opposite place. It rides you in the opposite direction of God's love. It's the destination of shame and continuous guilt. And instead of turning us to the Lord, you see, condemnation turns us away. You know, we can look at the example of Adam and Eve at the original sin, right? They ate the forbidden fruit. And what happened right after? They realized that, one, they were naked, right? And they began to, you know, make themselves a little cute fig leaf outfit. And when they heard the voice of God calling out to them, they hid. They hid. See, there was a a condemnation upon Adam and Eve. And instead of hearing God's voice and saying, Lord, we did something wrong, they went into fear and trembling shame and they began to hide in a bunch of bushes. Brothers and sisters, hiding does not work. Okay. God sees us. Do we know that? But somehow, in our own little minds, sometimes we think that hiding does the trick. You know when you're little and you um, play hide and go seek? If you uh, study children's development uh, at a very young age when children play hide and go seek, um, if they can't see you, they believe that you can't see them. And so they'll hide into like, I don't know, they'll hide behind this like little mic stand and they'll just close their eyes, right? Like this, you can't find me. And as long as I can't see you guys, I feel like in my mind, you can't see me. But sometimes we feel like that as believers as well, right? If we kind of hide our little issues from the Lord, God can't see us. And we forget how omnipresent the Lord is, how he sees through all things. It seems a bit comical now, but we do do it. We do do it. And so the direction, the destination of these two sort of guilts are completely opposite, right? And sometimes we find ourselves actually hiding from the Lord rather than doing what he wants us to do, which is to turn to him. You know, when I was in college, you guys know my testimony. I was in a very rebellious state. And before going to college, I was at church every single Sunday. My father was an elder, so I had to be there. But when I went to college, I rarely went to church. I think I can count on one hand how many times I went to church. And thing is, here I am. I'm partying. I'm doing drugs. I'm doing my own thing. But when I step into church, it made me so uncomfortable. Like, I just felt like everybody knew what I was about and that they were condemning me. Like they were judging me. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to be in a place where people judge me. You don't know me. Like that's the kind of attitude I had. I went to uh, one of the Christian fellowships at one time. And seriously, I, I, and now looking back at the time, I thought that I was, it was justified. But now looking back, I just think it was my own, uh, really distorted perception but when I walked into um, the Christian fellowship, everybody was, like, saying hi to me and smiling. But, like, in my mind, I saw them, like, not smiling, but just being like, I know what you do. <laughs> Welcome. You know, I, mean, I don't know. I just, the way that I perceived it was, I was just, it was just so condemning. And I just felt like everybody was judging me. And it was just, I, because of that, I decided that, you know what, I'm just, I don't want to be in a church like this. And so I just didn't go right? Um, and I began to hide from the Lord because the moment that I stepped into a place of worship, because I was a believer, I knew that what I was doing was wrong. And because I knew that it just, that feeling of, I guess, initially conviction really quickly turned into the enemy, twisting it to condemnation. You don't belong here. When the Lord was actually trying to convict me and saying, yes, that's wrong, but come to me, the enemy was twisting that and saying, yeah, that's wrong, you don't belong here. You see? And so I, str- I had struggled a lot when it, when it came to going to church because I really felt, I guess, the way that Adam and Eve felt a bit naked when I went. You know, I've been through um, a healing and deliverance session uh, and I believe that my past sins, uh, all the bondage that was created from that, I was set free. And I believe that the blood of Jesus Christ, you see, God is Lord over all. That means that God is not only Lord over our future, our present, but he's also Lord of our past, over our past. Amen? And all these guilt issues that I was dealing with because of my, because of my past when I uh, began to change for God, I really believe that God has set me free through that session. But I want to make it clear that just because I had that session does not mean that I'm exempt from experiencing attacks of guilt. Um, sometimes the devil does try to rub my past in my face. But, you know, it's been two years since I had my session. And so far, I believe that I've been standing strong on my freedom. And so that kind of sort of strategy doesn't really work on me anymore. So when devil puts my past in front of my face, I'm like, whatever you know, you may condemn me, but I think that that's God's testimony for me. And I believe that those sins that I've committed, now God used to set other people free. And so I have a completely different attitude about the guilt of my past, but we're still sinners and I'm still sinning. Um, I don't identify myself as a sinner. You know, we say that we're saints that sin, but I do sin. And because of that, there's still room for me to feel shame and guilt and condemnation because of me falling short. You know, we figure out when we draw closer to God that he's holy. You know, we begin to see the new ways that not only that God is holy, but the ways that we're not so holy. And it says in Leviticus, be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. That's a pretty high standard. Be holy. It's like... You know, like just high, impossible. And, you know, as you dive into the word, you get this revelation that there's more than 10 commandments in the Bible, right? You know, when you're growing up, you're like, oh, if I just follow the 10, I'm straight. But the more you read the word, the more you realize that, man, there's a lot more entailed to this whole Christian thing than those 10 commandments. All of a sudden, you know, not murdering someone is not enough. I have to actually love the person that I want to murder now. You know, that, wow, well, that sounds really terrible, <laughs> but you know, all of a sudden not stealing is not enough. You not only have to not steal, but you have to give and give with a joyful heart to those that are in need. You know, the deeper that we grow in our relationship with the Lord, the higher the standards become and the more room there is for us to sort of fall short from those standards. You know, we are going from glory to glory. Amen. Sometimes we get caught up on the fact that, yes, we're going from glory to glory, but there's another glory that we have to reach, right? Yay, I'm here at this glory, but, oh, there is another glory I got to go to. And because there's this continuous uh, room for improvement, there's always a room for disappointment. And it's in those moments that I believe Satan loves to attack us. You know, there's always going to be those times when we shouldn't have said what we said. And we know we shouldn't have done what we've done. We are saints, but we are saints that sin. And so there's this tension between our spirit and our flesh. We long to draw close to the Lord, and yet we find ourselves doing things that we know are not pleasing to him. You know, Apostle Paul was not someone that didn't understand what we were going through. In fact, I think that he described this struggle pretty awesomely in Romans chapter 7, verses 18 to 20. Let's all turn there. Romans chapter 7, verses 18 to 20. This is like a tongue twister. I tried practicing reading this out loud, and it got all jacked up. But that's why I'm going to make you guys read it. (laughs) All right, when you guys are ready, look at me. Okay, awesome. Let's start together. Okay, (laughs) because that took me a while. Brothers and sisters, because we are saints that sin, the gospel message of Jesus Christ and the power of his blood is something we are in need of revelation of continuously. Sometimes we think as believers, the gospel message is only for when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's it. But that's not true at all. In fact, the gospel message is something that we have to continuously preach and claim over ourselves every single day. Every single day we need to remember, Lord, you have died on the cross for my sins. And because you did what you did, I am redeemed. When I pour the blood that you shed over myself, not only do you forgive me of my sins, but you cleanse me from all unrighteousness. This guilt that I'm feeling, it does not belong to me. There's power in the gospel. And it's a gospel that we not only need to understand when we share, uh, when we try to evangelism on the streets, but it's a gospel we need to hold to ourselves as we try to go from glory to glory. Because between glory to glory is going to be a bunch of failures. It's going to be setbacks. It's going to be disappointments, but that's okay. You know, so many of us, so many of us, we get hard on ourselves because we feel like we're constantly repenting man, I got to repent again. Lord, I'm always repenting. What's wrong with me? I'm always, always repenting. When we feel like we're like the worst Christian because we're constantly repenting. Listen, it's a good thing. All right, when you're always repenting, that's a good thing. Amen? Amen? Because when you're constantly relating to what Jesus has done on the cross, that's a good place to be. Repentance, it brings joy. So if you're in continuous repentance, you should be in a continuous place of joy. You know, sometimes we make repentance this really somber activity. It's like, man, it's so sad. This is terrible. I feel so bad that I sinned again. But, you know, I really believe that we have to change our attitudes about what repentance is. Right. While conviction, yes, may bring reality to the sins that we committed, the act of repentance is a—it's a beautiful thing. It's a celebration, not of the sin we, that we committed, but it's a celebration of the Son that has redeemed us. You know, somehow through this pursuit of holiness, Satan has twisted God's expectation for us, and we feel like we have to be perfect. That every time we fail, God is disappointed. Listen, God knew that we weren't going to be perfect. He knew that we were going to make mistakes. God God knew that. He knew it all along. It was never designed for us to be perfect. But yes, God has designed for us to strive for holiness. And that striving for holiness is never without a constant repentance. We need to change our attitudes about repentance. Amen? Amen? Amen. You know, I'm talking about this guilt thing. I talked about condemnation and conviction, but also we can feel guilt from other people. This is where I struggle a lot with. We can feel the pressures and the expectations not only of God the Father upon us, but also of the expectations that people put on us as well. Uh, your parents, for example, you know. I'm married. Uh, I have severed the. the what do you? What is it called, honey? You cleave and leave. Is that what it is? Leave and cleave. Anyway, all right. Okay. We. I have. All right. So <laughs> my point is, um, you know, my mother. She's a wonderful woman. Wonderful. Um, I don't think I say that enough. I always put her in such a negative light, but I might do that again now. But, um, you know, like any other, you know, really loving parent, I think sometimes parents can exercise amount of guilt towards their children, right? It's, uh, you should have done this. Ah, oh, you didn't do this again. I told you to do this. Kind of like those kind of expectations, and then you feel their disappointment, um, and then you just get this guilt because you're not doing what they have said. Maybe it's guilt from your boss at work for not, I don't know, being up to par at the workplace. Maybe it's guilt from even a friend uh, for not hanging out with you enough because you've been, they've been really wanting to hang out with you and, you know, you've been busy with missions and, you know, the next time you see them, they're like, well, you don't want to chill with me anymore. You know, and they put that guilt trip on you. No, 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 no. there's no awe about that. There's, we have to really identify this, the spirit of guilt. Because when we start going, oh man, that's right. I I should have hung out with you. What's wrong with me? And we begin to twist it. There's a, a stronghold that can be created right there. It's a stronghold that God has not intended for us to be linked with. Guess what? You have one person that you need to please. It's not your parents. It's not your friends. It's not even your spouse. It's God, the father. God is the only person that we need to please and when we begin to put on the expectations of other people and we begin to feel the guilt of not meeting up to those expectations, they become burdens that we're not called to wear. You know, we talk about being, you know, heavy hearted. That's like bricks right there. Oh, you don't call me anymore, Blah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> you don't, I don't know. I could just think of so many examples. Just wait, 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 wait. I think there's definitely a healthy way to look at what they're saying. Maybe you are not doing your part as a friend, but I think the response to the way that people talk to you is so important. I think it's wise to extract the truth, the truth, and then really throw out what's not true. And so guilt, it comes in so many different forms. You know, sometimes we feel as though we need to stay in a place of guilt because we deserve to be punished. We say to ourselves, you know what, what we did was really wrong and I just can't let go of it right now. I feel like I have to be bad, you know, feel guilty for at least like a week. You know, we feel like it's not right to receive the Lord's forgiveness or even forgive ourselves at that moment. We feel like we got to punish ourselves a little bit. You guys ever feel like that? sometimes it's regarding a sin that you're constantly failing at man lord i woke up at 11 again (laughs) this is not out of personal experience by the way or lord i didn't go to the gym again today i said that i was going to go to the gym oh i didn't go and it's usually you know with the sins or with the patterns that we really want to break but we've been having a really hard time breaking And all of a sudden you put this guilt upon yourself and you you just feel like I'm repenting always about the same thing. And so God must be so like disgusted with me because I'm always repenting about this one thing. And so I think I need to punish myself and feel guilty about it for a little bit. And we use guilt and we place guilt on ourselves. People can put guilt on us, but we also can put guilt on ourselves. And we feel like we got to punish ourselves. You know, you guys ever read uh, Da Vinci Code or watch or watch the movie? If you guys watch the movie, raise your hand. I just want to see. Okay, um, when I was in college, I actually read uh, the Dan Brown books. I, I read Angels and Demons and Da Vinci Code. I thought they were great until I was revived, and then I was looking back at it the other day, and I was like, "Yikes, demonic." Anyway, um, so you know, I was. When I when I read the Da Vinci Code, I remember uh, the whole opening my eyes to the Opus Day. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, Opus Day. <laughs> okay, Opus Day. <laughs> and um, in the movie, I guess it's more graphic because it's not something you imagine, but you see on film. Uh, but if you guys remember, there's this albino named Silas. This is a side note. My cousin just named her child Silas. And it, like, freaks me out because every time I hear the name, I think of this, like, albino character. Albino. (laughs) (laughs) Obistar. Albino character. And um, so it freaks me out. But anyway, so there's this albino character named Silas in The Da Vinci Code. You guys know who I'm talking about? And he does something that um, is called corporal morti- mortification. I think that's how I pronounce it. Now I'm not like mad paranoid. But um, um, he has, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to, I don't know how to say this, but a, a celis. Is that what, how you guys pronounce it? But he wore, um, a, it's an actual spiked chain that you wrap around your thigh. Um, and it's part, you're supposed to wear it two hours a day. Um, and it's, the thorns are not like pointing out. It's not like those like studded bracelets, where thorns are like sticking out. It's inwards. And so it's constantly piercing your thigh. Right. And so they wear this cellus and they also do uh, use this thing called a discipline. It's like this macrame sort of whip thing. It's not just like a whip. It has like things on the ends of the whip lashes so that when you hit it, it just like splits your back open. Um, and they do that to punish themselves daily as well. I, excuse me, that's once or twice a week. So they have this chain around their thigh and then they have this like whipping once or twice a week. And they believe that it's a punishment that they need to bear because of their sins. And that as they suffer in this way, they know Jesus more. It's like a totally twisted version of, I think, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. You know, no Christ in his suffering. right? And, you know, we, we listen to that. I watch that and I'm like, that is so twisted. Like who in their right mind would think to do that? But we do that as well. Maybe not in such a severe case, but we punish ourselves. We say, we shouldn't have done this. I did this again. I got to punish myself in one shape, form of another, whether it's oppressing ourselves or letting a, a, a spirit of guilt oppress ourselves, or whether it's, uh, you know, distancing, distancing, distancing yourself from a friend or someone that you love, that you feel like you let down. You punish yourself. You know, so we're thinking, man, the thigh and the the whip and that's just so wrong. But, you know, I really think that we got to examine our attitude as well. Sometimes we fall into the same trap. We forget the power of the cross. You know, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. Well, Isaiah chapter 53, and we are going to start from uh, verses 4 to, 5, 4 to 5. So I'll read that together on the count of three. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And by his stripes, we are healed. Amen. The NIV version, it says, The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. We don't need to punish ourselves. We don't need to punish ourselves from the sins that we even are repetitively committing. See, the word of God says a punishment that brings us what? Peace is upon who? It's upon Jesus. Yet we cheapen what Jesus has done on the cross by saying, you know what? That's not enough. We I got to bear some of that punishment as well. See, when you have that attitude, you're cheapening what God has done by sending his son on the cross. What Jesus did was very costly, brothers and sisters. Amen. And it was also complete. There's nothing that we need to add to it in terms of receiving forgiveness. And punishment, that guilt, it does not belong to us. You know, as we draw closer to the Lord, there's a stronger revelation that we're meant for more. Amen? Do you guys believe that you're meant for more? And when we don't reach that level of more, we feel guilty. We feel our failures, our disappointments, our weaknesses. But God's will is never for us to stay in that place of guilt. His will is never for us to wallow in our failures. We do When we do that, we open ourselves up for the enemy to come in. See, a spirit of guilt unwrapped is basically unforgiveness towards yourself. When you can't receive God's forgiveness because you feel as though you messed up too much or you don't deserve it because you did it again, it's then you need to realize you need to forgive yourself. You might be disappointed in yourself, but you need to let that go. You know, we look at the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew chapter 18, and we use it a lot when it talks about forgiving other people, right? But that same concept works when you hold unforgiveness towards yourself. When you hold yourself like that, you are putting yourself in a prison, that has a bunch of tormentors oppressing you in that prison. We allow that when we don't forgive ourselves. That's not a place where God wants us to be. Amen? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. God calls us not to be yoked again by slavery. He desires for us to live in freedom. And if that means you got to let it go and forgive yourself, brothers and sisters, do it. You know, sometimes we can be our own worst critics. And Christian preached on earlier, making war against a critical spirit. And sometimes for, that, for us, that means that we need to show ourselves some grace. You know, God receives no glory when we're constantly putting ourselves down. When we're speaking words of failure over ourselves, when we're walking under a cloud of guilt, God gets no glory. He gets no glory. An army of God trying to go out and plunder the enemy's plunder, Or trying to take back what the enemy has taken? You know, if they're walking in a spirit of guilt, they're already defeated. What can that army do? You know, whether it's your voice telling you that you can't do it, or the voice of someone you love who tells you that you messed up again, we need to fight against the spirit of guilt. We need to make war against the spirit of guilt. May we be a church that understands that God accepts us for who we are, even where we're at in this particular moment. God's not disappointed in you. God does not think that you are a failure. When God looks at you, he does not see your mistakes. You see, God is on your side. God is cheering you on. God is equipping you for victory. I once heard this apostle say that the ear is a reproductive organ of the spirit. The ear is a reproductive organ of the spirit. Faith comes by hearing. And often we find ourselves hearing voices that are trying to block the promises of God. And in that moment, gets a little bit, but we need to put our own spiritual contraceptives. Yeah, I know. And block the voices of the enemy before we get impregnated by his lies. It may sound a little crazy, but it's true. Cause when we let a lie come in and we hold on to it and we became we become excuse me, and then we let the lie become a truth, there lies a stronghold. There we not we're not impregnated with the promise of God, we're impregnated with the lie of the devil. So we need to protect ourselves and what we are listening to. Our ears are so important. We need to replay the words of God over our minds. We are chosen. We have the victory. We will change. We will change. We are being transformed into the likeness of Christ. God is not finished with us yet. God accepts us right where we are. God loves us with an unfailing love. So my question for you tonight is, are you feeling heavy with guilt? Have you been letting yourself listen to the lies that you're never going to change? You'll always be this way. You can never overcome. Have you been punishing yourselves for past sins? Are you not forgiving yourself for something that you've done in the past? Jesus is here right now. And I believe that what he's saying to each and every single one of us is, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen. Let's close our eyes.